DeBesius, the Chartered Institute for IT. This is the Gem of All Mechanisms podcast. My name is Brian Runciman, and I'm talking to Clem Herman today. This is another one in our series of uh, Women in Tech uh, for the new BCS book. So uh, welcome, Clem. Hi, Brian. Um, thank you for inviting me to this podcast. No, lovely, lovely to talk to you. So uh, we're going to start off as as we do with all, I guess, because we're talking to the 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 editor and the five co-authors of which I know you're one, Clem. Uh, so perhaps first of all, you can introduce yourself in terms of what you're doing, what your areas of interest are in IT, that sort of thing. Okay, yeah. So my name's Clem Herman. I'm professor of gender and technology at the Open University. Um, and my interest is, um, well, it goes back many, many years. I've, um, I've been both an educator in the um, IT curriculum at the Open University, um, also a researcher researching women's careers in the sector. Um, and I've also, prior to the Open University, I ran a women's training centre um, for technology called the uh, Electronic Village Hall in Manchester. So I have uh, a range of experience and quite a long time engaging with this issue of women in IT in various forms, shapes and forms. Is it, is it that background that got you involved? Is there something else about the, this particular project that sort of attracted you? Well, this particular book project, um, I got involved for a couple of reasons. One, because... Uh, Gillian asked me, and um, I've I've worked with Gillian on a lot of different campaigns, and I was really excited when she told me about this book proposal. I think, in particular, for me, um, the interesting aspect uh, was the collaboration with colleagues who are working in industry. I do as an academic. I I write a lot of papers that are addressed more to the academic and research community. Um, and I really welcomed the opportunity to be part of something that was very much focused on um, industry and trying to help uh, with some very practical suggestions and strategies to make changes in, in practice in the industry. And I th I'm, I'm really interested in that kind of translation of research into practice. Um, and I think it's hugely important. To, uh, there's a lot of research in this area. And uh, that's, of course, important. I would say that as an academic. But mm -hmm. I think uh, uh, being able to translate that into practice is the key for me to, um, to bring about change. Do you have any particular areas that you focus on with your uh, gender research, Clem? Well, the, um, I've, I've, I've done a, a, number of, uh, a number of projects. I mean, the, the two things really that I'm, I, I think are uh, interesting to me. One is um, is, um, is career is career paths, but looking at that in the in a way that it reflects the gendered career paths that a lot of a lot of women take. What I mean by that is that uh, we have this this kind of narrative about a career, a kind of old fashioned idea of a career that you start at the bottom of the ladder and you climb up it and you reach certain milestones and you basically uh, try to reach the top of an organization, whatever uh, field that's in. And, but I think the reality of many women's lives is that they 
move in and out of, uh, of, of work, uh, possibly um, due to family care um, or working part-time for some uh, periods of time. So um, the kind of emphasis of their careers or the shape of their careers um, is inter intertwined with personal lives. And I think it's really important to um, to keep that, to forefront that and make that, um, make that overt rather than something that's hidden um, or sort of under the, under the radar. So I've done quite a lot of work with women returners and the impact of career breaks on their, on their careers. So uh, what, what happens when they take us uh, some time out of their careers? What happens when they uh, return into the workplace and perhaps uh, lose traction with the with the sort of fast pace of career progression, uh, and that and and the impact of those accumulated kind of disadvantages over the course of a career. So I've done quite a lot of work on that. And the other thing that I'm really interested in is the is is trying to give a kind of international picture, if you like. So. We, we know a lot, and obviously with this book, we're very, very concerned about what happens in the UK, and we have a particular set of problems here in the UK. However, um, we, we can learn a lot from other countries where the picture is different. And I think my, my most recent uh, project was, research project with, was with um, some collaborators in India, where the picture is quite different in terms of women's participation in the IT sector. And I was very excited to work on this, um, to try and see what we can learn from uh, other countries and other cultures about issues of inclusion. So it sort of really, um, it, it sharpens the focus and stops us just being stuck in the same ways of thinking about problems um, to actually try and shed some light from a different perspective. That's interesting. I've asked some of the previous um, interviews in this series about whether they've seen a change over recent years. I'm, I'm thinking that um, traditionally the coming in and out of careers has been seen as a drawback, hasn't it? Is that still the case? Is the flexibility that's been seen more recently, perhaps even specifically the pandemic, actually aided women's um, involvement in the workplace as they continue their careers? I think that's a, it's a very difficult one to answer. I do, I do certainly think that uh, we now have a huge amount more flexibility in the, the working hours, for example, that people do, um, and also the location of work. And I think that is certainly something that has changed during the pandemic or it's opened up those possibilities so working from home or working remotely or working um, more flexibly across a week in different places and so on and I do think that is uh, potentially very positive for women um, just having said that I, I, I also know that research has, has shown that um, many women took on more uh, home and family care, homeschooling and so on during the pandemic and actually took a hit on career progression in uh, a number of sectors. So I think although we can be optimistic, we also need to be cautious because uh, these, these changes can uh, also reinforce kind of traditional, um, traditional disadvantages if we're not careful. 
Um, but I do think, for example, legislation on flexible working is hugely beneficial to women because rather than having to hide their additional cares, they're able to be upfront about it. Um, I know that in some of my research, when I talk to women in companies, um, and particularly who'd reached senior level, uh, so much, uh, so many of their strategies for coping and and moving into those kind of positions had been uh, they they'd felt obliged to keep it sort of out of the sight of managers. You know, so for example, they they might have needed flexibility, but they'd kind of arranged it informally so that it wouldn't be visible. And I think that kind of it was it was almost kind of being slightly ashamed of having to do those things. Whereas I think there is now much more acknowledgement that both women and men have uh, caring responsibilities in addition to their their work. Um, and I do I see that as a positive um, outcome perhaps from the pandemic is that, for example, more men have been involved in, in that sort of practical combine, combining the home care and, and, and working life. And perhaps that lead to a sort of shift of, of, of understanding of the complexity of that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I suppose I, on, on the whole, I'm optimistic that we, we have learned some, some good things um, out of this very, very, very difficult period. That's good to hear. Now, without giving away the plot, which bits of the book were you particularly involved with? Okay, so uh, being um, uh, a person that works in higher education, um, my contribution in particular was uh, a, a chapter that focuses on that um, sector. So thinking about how do, um, how do women get into computing? What are the training and educational pathways that will lead to entry into, into these kind of careers. So um, I think for me, that's, that's something that obviously is, is, is hugely important in my everyday job and the, and the work that I do. Um, but I also recognize that it's, it's only one element in the whole picture. And I, I do think it's so important. And that's one of the things that I think is so great about this book is that it does take this holistic view and we don't just focus on how do you get women in? We also talk about retention. How do you keep, keep women in the companies? How do you progress them? Uh, we don't just talk about sort of companies and their recruitment strategies. We also talk about that sort of educational roots different types of educational routes, not just sort of just going from a degree into a job, but, you know, other ways in. And we also talk about earlier stages. So school, uh, even back to primary school. So acknowledging that there is uh, there's some there are things to be done at every stage of the life cycle in some ways. Excellent. Now, one question I've asked everybody, and I'm not going to let you off the hook, is to is to tell men straight what they should be doing. The important thing is that that men um, need to educate themselves or become aware of uh, what the issues are. And I think it needs to go beyond a kind of a tokenistic 
uh, yes, we, we need equality or we need sort of uh, equality and diversity policy for the company and we'll put some women on this board because we need to um, legally or it will look good on our annual report, or whatever it is, um, to sort of go beyond the, 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 the superficial to actually explore what happens uh, in an organisational culture. And I think that requires some, it does require some kind of honesty and, and deep thinking. So becoming aware of what unconscious biases, for example, uh, they may carry, stereotypes that they may slip easily into without sort of thinking, um, daily sort of what, what we call microaggressions, things that might be done without even thinking that they're um, um, hugely offensive or whatever. So the daily behaviours that might um, affect women, and that's particularly true if if you're in a, a culture or in a, in a section of a, an organisation where women are very much in the minority. So, you know, just having that awareness of how it feels to be um, perhaps one woman amongst uh, a, a large team of men and just making that... Um, uh, increasing that awareness really so I suppose I'd call on men to be allies listen to what women are saying first and foremost because the women are talking from their own experience they'll be able to tell you what they need what they need you to do uh, but also just you know don't be too defensive uh, you cannot get it wrong it doesn't matter you know then somebody will tell you uh, if you've if you've sort of slightly done something out of place, um, but I think you know overall it requires a commitment, and I think it needs I suppose a real commitment and a passion to actually make a difference. And you know I think that requires that that reflection and thought mm. um, in in all areas of that kind of uh, working life, I guess. Yeah, thanks for that. I, I just think as you're talking about unconscious bias there, is, is unconscious bias the sort of thing where just being aware that it's possible actually raises the, the awareness almost automatically? Obviously, there's more work required, but I just wondered if, if that might be a thing in, in or of itself. Well, I think, um, and without giving away the work that's in the book because there's a, <laughs> lot, there's a lot in the book around unconscious bias and it is a kind of slightly contested term uh, or, mm. or method if you like or whatever strategy um, where there was a sort of time when raising awareness of unconscious bias was sort of seen as okay well we'll this is the answer to everything um, I think it's the first step for those who haven't really considered the, the issues so it's kind of it can it can stop people in their tracks and think oh I never thought of that I thought I was being, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, in one of my research projects, I was talking to a woman who had come back from maternity leave and um, this was working for a global company and her manager, a male manager, had um, in, in, a, in a very kind way decided not to put pressure on her and had not invited her to uh, be one, to, to apply for a post overseas a, a short posting, you know, in uh, in another country because um, he thought, you know, I don't want to put her under that pressure, et cetera, et cetera. However, she was furious because she felt 
that this was a career building opportunity and she should have been given that choice to um, to sort of make that decision for herself. So that's a kind of, you know, this is sort of one of the, one of those situations where somebody is actually, um, you know, thinking that they're doing the right thing, but actually sort of not really listening to the person uh, and finding out what they need. Um, so I think it's, it's very much sort of in, in, in an example like that, um, making sure that, um, that, that you listen to what individuals uh, are wanting um, and, and what's right for them. I mean, in terms of unconscious bias, I think what we know is um, recruit, this is something that happens during recruitment, um, those very well-researched experiments where <laughs> women are not offered as high a salary, for example, or the assumption is that, um, that, that, that women are not going to perform as well and so on. So uh, we know that that happens and the same happens as well, as well with, with black and minority ethnic um, uh, candidates. Uh, these kind of stereotypes can creep into judgments of all sorts. So I think we, we do know that happens and I think Sometimes it's a good starting point for people to just go, ooh, I hadn't realized that I was doing that or I hadn't realized what stereotypes I carry. However, that's becoming aware of that is not enough because you can need to do something <laughs> to counteract that. So I think yes. it's, good. it's a good first step. Um, it's, it's certainly necessary, I think, in some instances to make sure that, that, that these things are surfaced. Excellent. Interesting. Thank you. Now, the last question I, I like to ask you is one I like to ask everybody, which is about inspirational figures. I like this one because we get all sorts of different interesting answers. So who have you found inspirational, Clem? Maybe in computing, uh, maybe in this sort of gender environment? Um, well, I've always, um, I mean, some of the sort of, uh, yeah, so there's the kind of historical figures in computing. And I think, you know, we absolutely need to sort of pay um, homage to, to, to some of the, the great pioneers like Grace Hopper, um, some of the um, Dame Stephanie Shirley, for example, is a great inspiration. She, you know, set up her, um, her company. She was talking about all of these things in the 1960s and 70s and, and set up a company which particularly employed women returners as home workers, you know, something that is, would be radical even today, you know. So I think some of those kind of visionary uh, women who've sort of set the scene are, are always my sort of uh, inspirational figures. But I also think um, importantly now are young women who are breaking the mold and taking things forward. And somebody I very much admire is Anne-Marie Imafadon who's the um, leader of uh, and founder of STEMETS and incredible um, uh, energy that she puts into a lot of these projects um, to inspire young women who are not necessarily taking traditional routes through, um, let's say, A-levels into university, into uh, sort of those kind of career paths, but are coming in from other sectors, for example, um, and um, really sort of catching the, the fun and energy that, that, that a, a, an IT or digital career can offer. So uh, I definitely put her on that, um, on that list. 
That's lovely. Thank you so much. Uh, so, uh, Claim, can I say thank you so much for speaking to us this afternoon? Thanks very much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank <laughs> you.